Hi there. Welcome to Meanderings with Trudy. I am sitting here with my friend Ariadne Athanasiadis. I hope I said that right. <laughs> but Ari and I, uh, Ari is an intellectual property lawyer. We met when I was a member of the Women's Business Network here in Ottawa. And uh, she is one of these people that just has, I've always been attracted to your energy. It's, it's just so, um, well, joy, joyous, effervescent, inclusive. Uh, I'm like a moth to the flame. So I wanted to touch base with Ari because I haven't really heard from her since the, before the pandemic, I would say. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when we were when we were in communion at the the WBN, the Women's Business Network. Um, so I wanted to touch base. What's been going on? <laughs> when, oh. Where where I left you, you were an intellectual property lawyer. I even consulted you for some work that I was doing and and products that I was creating. And I wanted to understand how do I knit things together when you know because as a coach, I'm always taking classes from other people and learning stuff. Um, how do I pull that together and where am I going to make a misstep or whatever? So you and I talked about some of that, um, but you, you've, you've grown and moved beyond that in, in, in that time. So what, what you've been up to? Well, I'm still an intellectual property lawyer and uh, a lot of what I've been doing is really sort of a, a feedback loop. It informs how I practice as an intellectual property lawyer, what I enjoy doing as a lawyer how can I push the boundaries and be something more than just a legal technician mm-hmm. for the, the people that, that I serve? So a lot of what I've been doing is learning how to stoke my own creative impulses and then integrate them into the, the work that I do and just bring a little bit more play and uh, joyous meandering <laughs> <laughs> into my, my world. And, yeah. uh, you know, certainly over the past three years, in some sense, there's been more opportunity to, to do that. And uh, I guess what you've been noticing on my Facebook page is really an output of the reflections and the experiences that I've been having and in terms of what I notice, feeling a little bit more present day to day in terms of um, registering experiences with people, what I used to call mentoring moments when I was doing mm-hmm. the mentoring program for the women in science and engineering. And uh, we're probably going to be rejuvenating something this year. But those mentoring moments um, just turned into moments of connection mm-hmm. and just seeing where they could arise and how they could arise and how creative we got over the past three years in terms of creating moments of, of connection with each other um, to just broaden the, the spectrum of opportunity that, that we have to just enjoy learning from, from one another and uh, stoking that, that creativity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I've been doing in that regard uh, has had a trickle down effect into mm-hmm. my, my practice and, and so I'm just seeing where it all goes. And uh, someone called it an emergent creative process. Mm. So that's what I'd say I've been up to is really stoking what I would call an emergent creative process, not really knowing what's around the corner, mm-hmm. but sort of taking things a step at a time and seeing what pops up and letting the wonder of that fill me before taking the, the next step. How did you get there? Like how what, did they get there? Yeah, how did you, I mean, law school doesn't teach you this kind of stuff. And I know you've been in practice for how many years now? I mean, 20? Oh, a long time. Over 25? 20. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're you're not a new kid on the block. Um, so how, how did you get to the point of, of 
learning how to navigate from your intuitive sense rather than from your your head center? Well, I think I was always a, a person that was fascinated by science and the arts. So I've always been looking at that interplay. I was pretty artsy as a kid, but didn't think that I could um, kind of really make a go of doing things in the arts. But because I enjoyed certain things in the sciences, I sort of went down that, that path. Um, but, you know, it really came about as a result of my sort of multidisciplinary years of experience. I started off in the sciences. I worked in the labs. I went back to law school, learned a new way of thinking. After law school, I went into a firm. And then when leaving the firm and being on my own, I realized that the world had again become my oyster. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say the volunteer activities in different domains and areas, seeing all the creative stuff other people were doing, um, really inspired me to explore my own learning. So by going back to school, I did the Canadian Indigenous Studies and there learned about um, the worldviews of many in Indigenous uh, groups and how it brings us back to a more fundamental and core sense of, of self um, and explored the program through different uh, domain. So like there's an art history type of course I did. There was a, a course I did in English lit and they all related back to the, the theme of the program, but it was very, I did an anthropology course, right? Very multidisciplinary. So it was a lot of fun that way. And then during COVID, uh, when you had the time to explore things online a little bit more, I started exploring some of the indigenous practices around the medicine wheel and working with the four directions, which then led to other courses and programs where you could apply these things to your business. And I mm -hmm. thought that was really fascinating. What does it look like when you apply that to your business? Mm -hmm. When you do a creativity cleanse, working with the four directions, all these things about how I could work with clients just started bubbling up and it's like, oh, I just want to keep doing things. <laughs> so, so what does it look like? And, yeah. you know, last uh, fall I, I did a workshop painting mandalas on stones and just feeling the meditative uh, practice um, of that and realizing that when I wash dishes, I feel meditative as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets very creative. So you mm -hmm. start making little linkages and it's, it is a meandering in the mm -hmm. truest sense of the word. So I really appreciate the name of your podcast here, but um, it's been that process over time and always having that curiosity regarding how the intuitive interacts with the, the logical as reflected in the art science dichotomy and all light, dark dichotomies, all kinds of, of different dualities, if you will, uh, yin and yang, um, mm -hmm. sort of what, what is it all, you know, how does it, when it comes together, right? What's the mm -hmm. wonder that comes from yeah. seeing it come together? Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked before about flow. So I, I, I asked the question now, how does your business of law feel or flow in you now, as opposed to when you started? Oh, I, I, I'm going to be really honest here. It feels a little bit split right now. It's in a yeah. transition. Yeah. It's in a transition where a number of the activities I'm doing are still within an old paradigm. And then 
there's activities that I do now, which feel much more aligned with where I'm at right now and wanting to have the spiritual connection and sense of, of flow when I'm, I'm working with people. I've always known that sort of the upfront part of my interactions, when we're just getting to know each other, learning about what you're doing and what your vision and mission is and all the, the good parts and, and even the, the challenges and being able to be reflective, I would say that I know I'm at my best when I can be in that state of being able to observe, um, be reflective with, with my clients and just open-hearted to, to possibilities. And when I feel a little more um, sort of off of my, my core um, sort of genius, is when I have to get into um, some of the things which are a little bit more restricted mm-hmm. by the law itself, right? So I find mm-hmm. myself fighting against the restrictions of the law and sort of saying, well, how can we work within this sandbox to give us maximum freedom yeah. to design our own path and fate here? And I say our, but of course I'm speaking, you know, for the benefit of the, the client, mm-hmm. but it has to be in a way that works for me as well. So for example, I won't take on a client who is entering into a conflict wanting to crush the opposition. That's, I'm not the right lawyer for that, yeah. right? There's other people yeah. who operate that way and sometimes that might be needed. I, I don't know, but it's not who I am. So for myself, working with clients to resolve conflict is about possibilities and designing your own resolution and coming out feeling even better than you felt before the conflict itself happened. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the the goal. And if you have to part company, you want to be able to part feeling abundance of gratitude and respect for what you were able to do while you were together. Mm -hmm. And if that's the orientation that you want to go into this with, then I'm your gal. But if your orientation is different, well, I won't feel spiritually connected, so I won't do that. So mm-hmm. I'm in that transition phase, right, where mm-hmm. I'm looking more to find an alignment of worldviews and approaches and philosophies mm-hmm. in order to know that I have the best chance of, of being of service to my clients. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it sounds like what you're trying to do is work with your clients to help them find resolution within themselves and within their, their collaboration or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, and then after ex- fully exploring all of that and then see how the law applies to it rather than the other way around. That's right. Like you really have to start first off knowing that whatever's going on in the conflict is not the end. It's not to say that a conflict cannot be serious, Mm -hmm. cannot um, pose a sense of jeopardy for Mm -hmm. where you're at. Um, But in terms of looking at it, uh, your capability to keep going forward, you are the the golden goose. It's not just about the golden egg. So you've got to be able to take care of the golden goose. And it's about finding that point in the resolution of the conflict that satisfies the golden goose. So it may be just having your say, and then you're happy to walk away. Or it may be, no, 
I'm going to follow this all the way through because for this golden goose to feel that she's done right by herself, I had to follow it all the way through. But I have the, the patience and the resolve and the knowing that in doing that, I still have other avenues open to me to, uh, to pursue. And that's not the end. This, this situation is not going to define me. It's transient, whether it's two days or two years. Um, but nonetheless, you start from, from that starting point, and then you look at the heart of the issue. You look at what's the communication that needs to, to be there. And the law informs how you choose to um, bring forward certain options and, and opportunities that can be considered, right? But the law doesn't necessarily, you don't want to get to the point where the law is imposing something on you. The law is just giving you clues about what might be important in the relationship to address. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the real significance of the, the law. And that's how I like to work with it with other people is what's important in the relationship to at least be considered and then let's see what we can design with that understanding in addition to the understanding of the circumstances that got us to this point in the first place mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i so am feeling that interplay between the whimsy and the structure and you know um at this point as you said you're sort of feeling split uh like a foot in each camp and um it just feels to me like they both belong. Yeah, it, it's it's about uh, learning to get them to dance together well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? one, so one's doing a tango and 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 one's doing like <laughs> a, what's what's a, a waltz, like a very a very. Uh, they're both rigid, but they are both dances. So how do we get them to do like a Lindy Hop or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or jive? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or mo modern dance. Uh, yeah, modern yeah. dance, some hip hop or something. I don't know. Like just how do we how do we find the way to to stitch both of these into into the one that um, I, I once uh, did some work with uh, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans out in uh, out in um, Mi'kmaq territory down in in uh, New Brunswick. And there was an elder there who was working on something that he called two eyes seeing. Yes. Yes. Which is, you know, one eye is, is Western science and that way. And the other eye is the indigenous knowledge and traditional, um, traditional learnings that were important, not just to his people, but to all on Turtle Island. So uh, did you, what, do you know much about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely part of the discourses we had mm -hmm. when uh, I was going through the, the program at, at Carleton University. And uh, it, it really reflects to me that there's all kinds of different vantage points you can come at a situation with. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, the important thing is just to remember that there's many vantage points. Yeah. <laughs> and the more that you allow yourself to be aware of, the more that this incredible body that we have is able to process things intuitively and actually come up with ideas and solutions that take all of it into account. And so if you restrict your vantage points and say only Western science, for example, mm -hmm. is the only thing that we hold as the gold standard and everything else is, you know, hoopla, mm -hmm. then you're, you're basically cutting yourself off at, at the, the knees. Whereas if you're willing to look at the wisdom that's woven into 
other forms of science which have been born out of you know holistic cultures then you start to see correlations and you see where things match up and make sense and that starts to give you a sense that you are on the right path with something because it somehow is reconciling all these different vantage points together and your mind only registers it after your body has your body says oh yeah this feels good and then you start to be able to articulate well why does it feel good because it aligns with this aligns with that i can see how these two things come together that logic mm-hmm. expression only comes about after your body's gotten there and so the exposure to the the different vantage points is really for your body to process the intelligence you're gaining from that first to then let your mind catch up afterwards mm-hmm. thanks for joining us here on meanderings with trudy as i speak with my friend ari athanasiatis i am loving this conversation and i'm loving the way that this meander is overlapping with so many of the others that we've talked about. We talk about flow. We talk about intuitive understanding. We, we're weaving together where other people have picked up the threads of our various types of wisdom, the various kinds of ways in which we know things to be true. And I'm just so appreciating Ari's chat with me today. I hope you are too. And I hope you'll stick with us as we continue on. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know many lawyers who talk about body knowing first and then intellectual uh, onboarding and meaning making. Um, what about you makes you that kind of a, that kind of a processor? I'm not sure that there's anything particular about me. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that if most people think about the types of conversations they have with friends and colleagues and customers over the past 10 years has probably been a pretty big evolution in terms of the language and the conversations we've been having. Um, but <laughs> it's it, it could be a million different things that made me more body aware. Um, one was a colleague who said to me, I like coming to you to have a conversation because you sit down in your chair, you cross your arms and you go humph, and then I know you're in your body. And I'm like, really? I do that? I didn't know I did that. <laughs> what, what great, what a great gift. What good noticing. <laughs> I know you're here with me when you do this. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, she would say that for years and years and Mm-hmm. I would like, okay, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. as the conversation more generally starts to pick up, you say, oh, okay, body. So, okay, let me mm-hmm. take some time and be more aware of how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when do I know that something is ready to go out as a product to somebody? If I feel the least bit of uncertainty, I've learned the hard way, don't send it out. Mm-hmm. If I'm uncertain, because I almost always have to go back and say, ah, sorry, got to revise that, got to fix that, got to this, got to the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas once I know that's it, yeah, this feels good. It's ready to, to go. It's not a logical thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a physical it's, thing. It's a physical yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess there's um, those times when you're watching something unfold and it feels like there's a part of you that's outside of your body mm-hmm. that's 
looking at the situation, but mm -hmm. intimately connected with your body at, at the same time. That's mm -hmm. a that's an interesting sensation in and of mm -hmm. itself. But it's all sensation based. It mm -hmm. really is. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. um, I can send you the link after, but there's uh, a great coach. She was in Ottawa. She's now living in Montreal. Her name is uh, Lisa Weiss. And she recently came out with a, a book called Breath Sensations Words. And um, she really has uh, tremendous insight on feeling things in your body and working with the breath to register the sensations and then also feeling the sensations that come from the words that we speak. So, you know, one of the things um, she mentions, for example, is that the word trigger is not a word that sort of gives her a conducive body sensation. So she prefers to use the word activated. And so something is activating me as opposed to triggering me and feel the difference when you say those two words in your body. Mm -hmm. And so that's been another thing that's sensitized me to, mm -hmm. um, to sort of working with my, my body and being able to choose the words that I want to, to use when I'm communicating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel activating is more uh, neutral. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be something. I just, I haven't thought what it is, but I feel the energy of I'm sitting up and taking notice when, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But then it, it also gets into um, our, our, uh, our facility with language, right? I, I'm, I've been doing some work in the, the, over the last year with clients on uh, emotional granularity and the, the, the base of that comes in, in addition from seeing it or feeling it inside of oneself. How many, how many words do I actually know that can help me to splice down and drill down into what it is that I'm, I'm sensing and feeling and what, what then is manifest for me? Cause there's a big difference between angry and feeling a sense of dislocation. I might call it anger. And if I take some time to drill down, then I may end up landing at feeling a sense of dislocation and I'm upset about that because I once was in communion with this person and now there's some kind of conflict here and now I'm I'm way over here so I I'm I'm angry and dislocated yeah oh yeah. that's that's really interesting um I I guess a question if I'm allowed to turn the table sure on. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things I've noticed is that when I feel that I'm, I'm connected with the universe or having a sense of flow, mm -hmm. the language I want to use comes out a little more poetically. Mm. There's a, a different cadence to it. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, I, and in that respect, I'm feeling like I'm accessing a way of expressing that logically I didn't think I had access to mm. so I was curious when you said what language um, do we know is it language that we know or is it just we have perhaps access to infinite forms of language um, if we're able to open up in a way that we can access it that mm. it's, it really does reside in us Mm -hmm. um and Absolutely. they're available to be accessed so i'm just yeah. wondering if that's something that you've noticed um doing the type of work that you do uh, i fully believe that we all have the answers to whatever the question is yeah 
inside of ourselves. And this gets to a question that, that, uh, that was sort of kicking around in my head was around pacing because, um, in order to be able to get to feeling dislocated from angry, that takes me some time. Yeah. Um, and it takes some tools. Maybe there are different tools that I can use, um, modalities like, uh, a, a, a stream of consciousness writing, um, a, uh, a body scan, um, a repeating question where I sit with someone else and they keep asking me the same question, which is a, a social taboo, right? Like after three times we, we learn in journalism school, you don't ask, don't ask a question more than three times when you're, uh, in doing a TV interview or a radio interview, because now you're considered rude the fourth time you ask. Even the third time you ask is like, why is she still going there? <laughs> it's a social taboo. Yeah. And so in a repeating question, maybe you might ask me, um, how does it feel in your body? And then I say, however it feels, you say, thank you. We both take a pause and you ask, how does it feel in your body? And you can do this for... 30 seconds, three minutes, <laughs> three minutes is awfully long. And like peeling an onion, you begin to get into other things, other memories or emotions or other words begin to come to you that you didn't know were there. Yeah. And so it takes time. And I imagine, uh, I mean, in, in coaching, in the developmental work that I do, um, I asked to work with people for six months to a year um, because change takes time. Awareness takes time. And we need to give ourselves that spaciousness to, to, to wend our way through something so that we can land on the place that is right for us, that is really inside of us. The kind of work, the kind of law that you're doing must take more time. Or maybe it doesn't. Yeah, it all, all depends. I, I certainly agree that you have to open yourself up to pace things and slow things down, especially at the front end mm. in any relational dynamic where you're aware there's kind of like a, a legal component uh, mm. to it because it really is about the relationship at the end of the day. Yeah, And so... Oftentimes, things like negotiations um, are upsetting. Why can't we just sign the deal? Why are they bringing up new things right now? What are they trying to, to do? When it's really just a reflection that they're thinking about things differently from the way you're thinking about it. And isn't it wonderful that now you're aware that your thinking isn't completely aligned and that you have to work again to bring that thinking together? Mm -hmm. What's challenging in the legal profession is that this has cost implications. So there's that worry in the background, especially, you know, lawyers who work um, on a sort of like hourly rate, and they're just trying to get the better of the other, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at the contract or the agreement, the arrangement in a more conscious way, it's really, let's work out the relational issues. And then afterwards, we can put to paper something that really reflects our thinking as opposed to let's throw a piece of paper and work out our thinking within the confines of what the piece of paper says and start to impute meaning mm -hmm. that may not really be what either of the parties intended. It's because mm -hmm. this piece of paper has set 
a structure. Mm-hmm. Um, rather, sort of say there's certain things we would cover. This issue, this issue, this issue. Let's talk them through first. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's you know some great work being done by you know many legal practitioners around the world. One is called um, the Conscious Contracts Approach, where it is all about sitting down, talking through everything. And then the document at the end, instead of being 20 pages, might only be five, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you've worked things out to such a point of understanding and clarity that you don't need to spend all that time drafting. But in the process, what you've done for the relationship is priceless, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm feeling is almost like um, going into this might, might come in because of a disagreement or something, but because of the nature of the clients that you work with, the solution is like, I don't want to say it's secondary, but it kind of is. It's like it's lurking in the background as we fully explore this whole thing that is yeah. that is here, that's brought us here. Um, in service of the solution, absolutely, but more in service of the relationship between the parties or within the, within the party. Yeah. <laughs> um, s- uh, and then, only then does the law come out and say, okay, well, what are we, are we constrained anyway? What, what might the law have to say here? And, and then we'll, we'll put that down, but that's not, that's not the, really, that's not the end goal. It isn't the end goal. And and in fact, I'd maybe reframe a little bit about what you said there. How's the Mm -hmm. law constraining us? You can definitely look at the law as providing constraints. I prefer, though, however, to look at the laws highlighting certain things that are important to account for in the relationship, because it's fundamental to the nature of the co-creative activity Mm -hmm. you're trying to um, engage in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, for example, Mm -hmm. you have somebody who helps you create a program which is new, distinctive, needs time to get into the marketplace to take a foothold, but you have to account for the possibility that that person helping you create something may decide for whatever reason that they don't want to continue working in that partnership and want to go off and do something else. Mm -hmm. Well, if the spirit of what you came together to do was to give this creation a chance to get its foothold into Mm -hmm. the marketplace, you would want to address what this co-creator might do within a certain period of time after leaving mm-hmm. your partnership sure right and so you wouldn't want them to go and replicate exactly what you were meant to do because that's killing the energy of what you came to do together in, in the the first place mm-hmm. i'm not sure that's the right phrasing but anyways you, you get what i where yeah. i'm going and yep. so these things like non-compete clauses and stuff are just reflective mm-hmm. of certain realities in place let's give the creation a chance to Mm -hmm. make its mark in the the world but we're not also going to try and stop somebody from using their creative brilliance in other domains and so finding that balance point is really the essence of a non-compete clause but though you focus in on the drafting of it and it looks like you're trying to handcuff somebody right so don't worry about drafting it but let's understand what the purpose is, what needs to be recognized as fundamental to to the relationship and have the conversation first. Mm -hmm. And then we can reflect what we want in writing. We don't even have to call it a non-compete clause. We Mm -hmm. can call it something else. 
yeah um, based on what you guys discover in your conversation sure. but yeah that that's what it's about really yeah 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 and I, I i totally am feeling that split within you right now because as we talk about the legal terms it feels like it's squelching my heart yeah and i and so i can feel whimsy struggling to find its footing and so no wonder why this duality currently exists within you because that duality is very much reflected in the work yeah. And so it's a constant process of ensuring that whimsy has space, that there's spaciousness around the creative side. So I, I'm wondering, uh, do you have practices that you do to kind of keep you in that space and on, on balance? Um, well, for me, really, the key is uh, being able to attract working with the the people who are willing to explore that whimsy with mm. you mm-hmm. all of the what ifs right and not um or, or willing to you know trust you to go from a state of feeling like i feel like i'm being beaten down or i don't have options to sort of say well no let's let's explore and so if you're mm-hmm. able to take that walk together mm-hmm. with the people you serve uh, and be exploratory um, that opens up all kinds of possibilities, even if on, in terms of, you know, someone on the other side, because they're never really on the other side, we're all one, but somebody who's looking at it from across the, the table, even if they don't operate mm. the way you do, um, by being open and flexible yourself, you actually can start to inspire creativity, openness, and flexibility in the person who's on the other side of the table because you're looking at it from those multiple vantage points. Your vantage point, their vantage point. What is going to be a solution that's going to be really good for both of us? And part of that is being willing to elicit the information from the other person who's a stakeholder, the same way that people do in design thinking when they're designing new technologies it's stakeholder driven. If you're doing design thinking properly, well, why not bring that into the legal profession as well, or the ethos of that into Mm. the legal profession. So people who are willing to walk that journey of exploration with you, um, you never, I never have to worry about um, the dichotomy because it it works out. Uh, Apart from that, I, I, make sure that I stay engaged in volunteer activities because the volunteer activities is what keeps you connected to the reality that people are experiencing and lets you know your why and also helps inform what it is that really matters to them should a situation come up that you have to deal with in a, in a legal context. So it's like doing that sort of stakeholder consultation, if you will, way in advance of anything ever happening. So being active in the community and volunteering your time, again, in areas that inspire you, for me, is is fundamental to helping me keep my balance in my profession. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, what does that look like? That's your, is it your women in science and tech? Yeah. Science women, and engineering? Yeah, program. the women in science and engineering. It's, uh, you know, going to... Uh, activities and supporting people who are engaged in their own volunteer activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the creatrix, I am creatrix uh, sessions that I've been hosting. I'm not just hosting. I am creatrix sessions 
with all these creatives, I actually go and participate in the types of events that are important to them. And, you know, to the extent I can provide support and volunteer my time to, to do it, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, otherwise, just go and support them by, by being part of their community, whether it's watching them perform or, or what have you. But it's, uh, there was a time I was doing a lot of volunteer stuff and I was getting, mm-hmm. you know, burned out. Tired. So I kind of willed it down. And with COVID necessarily, things got whittled down a little bit, but mm-hmm. I feel myself expanding again. So mm-hmm. being part of the WBN still, mm-hmm. the Women in Science and, and Engineering and uh I have a couple of ideas of other things. Stay tuned. I'm going to spill yeah. the beans yet. Yeah, yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it really is about staying connected to the, the community and, and feeling immersed by their creativity and vitality uh, at right. the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all of it, when, when stitched together, um, feels good. Yeah, feels good. Yeah. With time for self as well, of course. So uh, I've been getting back into art again, whereas that's something I had left alone for a lot of years. And um, gonna have be working on a project with my sister, creating a sculpture for our adjoining garden. She's the handy one, mm-hmm. and I just have the ideas. Ideas, <laughs> but I'm saying, okay, okay, G, you got to teach me how to, yeah. how to you know. Do you, ben, do you live side ben by Bella, side? We do. It's a big fat Greek wedding existence that I have. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, my parents were just kind of around the corner, two meters uh-huh. away from me. My sister moved in next door. Now my mom's five blocks away. I have a sister who's next door and another one who's like a 30 minute walk away. So it is 100% big fat Greek wedding <laughs> in this building <laughs> here. Yeah. That's kind of lovely. Yeah. 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 And and ha- is your dad still with us or has he died? My father passed seven years ago. Oh, um, same time as my mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yes, I was actually reflecting on the, the dad energies not that long ago and mm-hmm. just, you know, feeling like, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the rise and the rebalancing of the the feminine energy with the masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And one of the yeah. things I was realizing was that my father, as uh, a Greek man, raised in a society that was quite restrictive towards women, certainly in his time, he left us a lot of openness to explore our own passions and what we wanted to, to do. It was a little bit unusual for a, a man of, of his time. Um, he wasn't 100% sooner uber modern, <laughs> but nonetheless, he did succumb or sort of didn't push too hard saying, do you really want to do that? Does that make sense? Your responsibilities, your this or the other, but he would always relinquish and sort of say, okay, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it and would come around and support us in some way that he felt he, he could. Um, and I realized that men like him who were on the cusp of transitioning ideas about what it was okay or not okay for women to do, created space for the feminine to, to rise again. And now that the feminine is, is rising, still ways to go in terms of how we see things play out in our societal dynamics, nonetheless, the sense of possibility that has been rebalanced now for 
people of um, all identities, right? I'm mm-hmm. mentioning the masculine and the feminine, but in, in here, you know, with that is is really an opening to, you know, however people want to to sure. identify. But with yeah. that rising, it's now also creating a sensibility of being able to come back and heal that which was out of balance in the first place. So if yeah. we look at the masculine that has been so dominant, that opportunity to help heal the understanding of what it means to be masculine mm-hmm. uh, because we now have a way where everybody can hold everybody else. And it's people like my father, I feel, who were willing to just look at us as who we were and acknowledge that we had our own impulses we needed to, to follow that helped really pave the way. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to be in this position now, which feels very hopeful for me. Mm. It feels like this year is a year of rebalancing. And I guess it's the year of the rabbit, eh? It is the year of the rabbit, yes. So yes. so there you go. I, I think there's a little bit of a connection there uh, yeah. in terms of that that energetic archetype. But mm. I, So anyways, yeah, that was just something I was thinking about. With You mentioned my father. I was thinking mm. about that recently. Yeah, yeah. Ari, this has been really lovely. Is it, is there anything else that you want to share with me and, and us before we close? Oh, you know, I I just love conversations like this. So I was so grateful and so honored that you wanted to have a meandering conversation <laughs> with me. And uh, I mean, it's just you're, you're so beautiful. And, um, you know, the people that join you here are so beautiful as well. And Um, which is so much inspiration from just our everyday interactions with with people so I'm just very grateful and feel very blessed that I had the opportunity to share this time with you thank you thank you me too likewise what a great chat I just so enjoy these kinds of conversations where I get to explore the world of somebody else especially when they do things that surprise me And who thought that there could be some whimsy in law? There we go. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Meanderings with Trudy. Uh, If you have any comments or things that you'd like to share, please shoot me a note at meanderingswithtrudy at gmail.com. I will have references to the things that Ari has mentioned in the episode notes, so please check there if there's anything that's piqued your interest on Meanderings with Trudy. Thanks very much. I'm Trudy Chapman.